Last Saturday saw the end of an incredible adventure from one man from Surrey who, inspired by Major Chris Brannigan's 700-mile barefoot walk, decided to raise money with his very own gruelling journey. To tell us more about the last few months and how they've been involved, uh, we're pleased to have the man himself on the phone with us. Josh Garman is here with us. Josh, very good afternoon to you. Afternoon, how are you doing? Not bad, thank you very much. I mean, first of all, how are you doing? Um, I'm, uh, I'm a mixture a mixture of emotions and um, my body is definitely starting to, to complain at me for uh, <laughs> something cycling, that's for sure. Well, let's talk a bit more about it then. So, obviously, as we said at the beginning there, you, you took on a challenge which was monumental, let's be honest here. What was it that you actually did? So, uh, a very good friend of mine, his name is Chris Brannigan, and he was, he was kind of popping up in news at the time, and um, it was a big thing last year over the summer. His daughter, Hasty got diagnosed with a really rare genetic condition called CDLS. Mm. And when she got the diagnosis, uh, he sort of undertook this, this challenge on his own in order to raise some money for her. And he decided to do this 700-mile barefoot walk, um, setting off from Land's End, editing up in Edinburgh. And, and sort of off the back of that, seeing what he was willing to do and go through, um, you know, over the winter, having a chat with him, you know, his feet are, you know, not, not in the best of states, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to help them and help the family and raise some money. Mm. And the, the idea came to mind to, to do a cycle and knowing we can go abroad, knowing it would be within the UK, what was the biggest thing I could come up with? And uh, cycling the coast of Britain sounded like a fantastic <laughs> idea at the time. <laughs> with, <laughs> with a very limited cycling experience, um, I had this idea to the coast of Britain thinking it might take four months on the road uh, covering 5,000 miles. And actually, uh, to begin with, it was it was driven by necessity. Mm. But I built a trailer, a bright yellow sort of pod that I would tow behind me and sleep in. And uh, the journey has <laughs> taken numerous ups and downs and actually taken six months and we've just, just got to the end on Saturday. That's absolutely incredible. And you started back in April, didn't you, for this one? Yeah, so it was the, the 17th of April that I set off, which <laughs> sounds like a very long time ago. Um, and that was just as we were coming out of, out of lockdown, we sort of easing of restrictions. And I had to make a decision because, uh, you know, if I'd left it another month, uh, it would mean I would have finished, you know, mid-November rather than October. Yeah. would have been heavily into winter around Scotland. It probably would have mean, been the end of my trip there and then. Mm. Uh, so I made the decision to, to leave, but... Because of that, you know, campsites weren't open, um, hotels, hostels, there, there, was, there was nowhere you could stay. You couldn't stay in people's houses. Uh, so course, it was yeah. self-contained accommodation only, and that, that drove me to sleep in the trailer. Yeah, that's a really resourceful idea, actually. And I suppose, you know, knowing you had a 5,000-mile cycle ahead, how did you adapt the bike, the equipment that you used, the bike and the trailer? How were they adapted to help you get through the challenge? Um, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not known as the most... Um, uh, so I'm, I'm slightly impetuous of my decisions. I mean, my bike really, uh, you know, it's a second-hand Boardman. I got the bike from Halfords for a couple hundred quid before I left. It's <laughs> definitely not the bike I would choose now to do the trip. Um, and all of my sort of um, solutions came along when I was on the road, and most of it just is creative fixes like, you know, bungeeing and, and duct-taping things together, uh, creating, like, little setups like uh to hold my water bottle or have some snacks you know taped around the front of my bike it was it was all sort of that of that nature i never had a huge budget for the trip so we had to come up with other ways to do these things 
Oh, that's so interesting to find out. And as you said, you must have hit some of those highs and lows. What were the, the, the real high moments that kept you going? And, and what for you was the, the sort of the biggest low that you encountered on your way around? Uh, it's, it's, it's very tricky. Um, and I guess, I guess over six months, uh, a lot changes. I mean, even mm. looking at, it sounds a bit strange, but looking at the photos uh, and the videos from day one of my trip, <laughs> and, you know, some of that early stuff, I really struggled to relate to that person. Uh, there's almost a, a disconnect. You know, that young, naive person, uh, you know, it's not been that long. But, uh, you know, I set off and it was very much to start with a physical challenge. Mm. Uh, I began, uh, you know, the first day with a trailer or and all my gear loaded up. The first day was, you know, day one. Uh, I set off uh, <laughs> blindly optimistic, <laughs> got to about a thousand miles before I realized that it was, you know, you know, 5,000 miles is a, is a long way. Yeah. Um, and it was really the, the people that kept me going. The people were the highlight of, of the entire trip. And especially when you're, uh, you know, I, I guess I spent most of my life, you know, believing people are generally kind, but you don't really believe in it. You know, you sort of feel like, oh, you know, people, are people going to be friendly? Are people going to help me? Mm-hmm. I was nervous about where I'd sleep, where I'd eat, what happened if the bike broke. And actually what I found is every time I came across one of these obstacles, someone just sort of turned up to help me. Uh, someone Amazing. was always there and, and sort of saved the day, and I think that that was me the most. That's such a great thing, and, and as you mentioned earlier on, you know, we're, we're coming out of uh, another lockdown at that time, and we're still going through the COVID nineteen pandemic. But that's such a positive side to come out of it, and the fact that people still wanted to help and support you on this journey. Yeah, I think I think the big thing for me is I I, I almost thought that this sense of community might be lost. I thought mm. that once I rejoined the road, you know, once I got cycling. Uh, and actually went through these little little pods of people, I thought maybe it would be um, actually quite a struggle before things started to pick up. And uh, i never forget it. I came to a place called Skinning Grove uh, down the East Coast, and I must have been, you know, a week, week and a half into my journey. Mm-hmm. I've got this trailer that I'd built out of wood, old bicycle tires, and a bit of a bit of Corex. And the, the tow bar that we used to tow it was a bit of copper pipe. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... We didn't realize at the time that copyright is not the best thing to build tow bars out of. <laughs> and we're going up these huge hills in Skinning Grove, and it starts to crack. Oh, no. And I basically break down in, out in the middle of nowhere by this industrial estate, 10 miles to the nearest town one way, 15 miles the other. And I was basically made the decision that I was going to give up there and then. Oh. And a guy came out from, um, from the industrial estate, and he said, Oh, what's wrong? What's going on? And he said, oh, "Don't worry, you've just happened to date, break down outside British Steel." <laughs> and before I knew it, there was fifteen guys in a boiler room. That they put, bring me in. They got welders. They're like working away, and they built me a whole new system and sent me on my way. And it was like that the whole way around. It was amazing. That is absolutely incredible, and so many stories you must have now coming back as well, which is going to make the whole experience even better. Just thinking about the coastline, obviously, you, you've been the whole coastline around the whole of great britain wasn't it yeah so all of all of england wales and, and scotland basically it's a very romantic vision of setting off from one place in the country keeping the sea on your left and, and ending up where you started you know it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite work out like that but we, we were close and were there any places that really struck you as, as beautiful i mean you've seen the whole of the coastline of the country now was there was there any moments on your way around where you stopped because you just thought a place was so incredible that you had to stick there for a day and enjoy the time yeah there's so so many places um 
you know, I, I never really thought about traveling my own country. It was never something I thought was particularly exciting. Mm. Uh, I guess when you're when you're in your country, you don't tend to travel it. You think of exotic places further away. Mm. And I think this is something that rings true with a lot of people. Um, a lot of people, I think, this year are starting to just travel around the UK. They're not really willing to go abroad. They're a bit nervous about it. They're starting to see some of these places that we have to offer. Uh, and there's, there's so many, like, coastal places, little coves, beaches, uh, lots of places of incredible character and history. And it, it's been fantastic to experience that as you go around. Yeah, I bet it was really motivating and made it so much easier to get going. Um, so we've spoken about the, the adventure and, and the challenge and, and what you've managed to achieve, which is incredible in itself. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about the charity, because obviously you've done this to raise money for a brilliant cause. And you mentioned earlier on that you're inspired by Chris Brannigan's 700-mile barefoot walk as well. Um, how did you get involved with the charity and, and what inspired you to support them? And, and what does the charity do? So the, the charity is, is, is basically just two parents. So it's, it's Chris and Hengamer, mm-hmm. um, and Chris and Hengamer have three kids, uh, and Hasty, uh, unfortunately, is the only kid that, that, that's got a condition. So it's not something that's you know you pass down. Uh, it's not something that you'd expect to have. Unfortunately, it's just one faulty gene uh, mm-hmm. that causes all these problems for her. And for me, I mean, for Hasty, it, it probably means that she'll lose the ability to talk and to walk. Uh, so as she gets older, she'll she'll deteriorate uh, and have some and some real problems. And I guess for a family, um, you know, that I got to know more and more as time progressed. Uh, mm. You know, I helped them with lots of different things, and especially over the winter, trying to help with online fundraising, which wasn't going very well. Yeah. Um, it just struck me as this big injustice for a kid that was so much joy um, to to have the potential to to lose all that and and go through something that seems quite scary. So it was, it was just sort of, uh, you know, something to help. I mean, <laughs> I could have done Land's End to John O'Groats, probably been a lot quicker. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I really was, was struck to help them. Um, and actually, you know, you, you connect with these things more and more as time goes on. And the numerous conversations with, with, with other parents that have children with rare diseases, mm. uh, you realise how many, how many there are. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to, to connect with them on the way. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's not just about the fundraising, but it's about the awareness as well, isn't it? And and sort yeah. of giving that hope and, and support. So you've obviously made it to the, the finish line and we are a few days afterwards now. How are you feeling mentally and physically now that that sort of, you know, very substantial part of your life and what you've done is is, is come to an end? Uh, physically, um, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting, interesting thing. Um, yeah, I, I guess I guess, you know, if I hadn't really done anything super, super big before, I've done a lot of endurance events, and my body's had to catch up fitness-wise. Mm. But what I'm, I'm getting is always, yeah, sort of grumbles. My body's just starting to seize now. But, but really, I don't, I don't think it'll be that bad. I think I'll recover fairly quick. Um, people do talk about this sort of, this sort of feeling of almost like a void when you finish uh, a long, a long challenge, mm. because you know you're waking up every day and you're you're not having the process to follow. You're not having to pack a bag or 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 look at the weather, look at the route. You don't have to think about these things. But actually, I, as, as much as there is a little bit of a, a strangeness to it, I'm quite excited because being on the month, uh, being on the road for six months, you sort of have these thoughts. You know, oh, you know, was was life, you know, was life. Did I, get the, did I get the most out of life before mm. I left? And I think now I'm returned. I'm hoping to draw more from it than I did before. 
hadn't thought of that. There must have been a lot of thinking time out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's interesting because you're, you're there, you're cycling every day for hours on your own, and you kind of get more used to it. You get content on your own, and, and sometimes in the long run that can be quite lonely. Mm. But I always think that if you have any problems, let's say you have a, an anxiety or, or, or something that's worrying you, if you're out on the bike for you know eight, nine hours, right, with just that thought going around your head, you either get sick to death of it and it just goes, or you solve it. Like, it, it has to go, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's almost like meditation. Your mind just slowly starts to clear uh, because you run, out, you run out of things to think about, really, and your, your, your thought process has become quite simple. Um, so it's given me time to, to reflect on things uh, that I've seen, the people I've met, uh, and hopefully I can use that um, going forward in my life such a good motivation and obviously you finished on Saturday you were up at Berwick upon Tweed what was it like going or coming towards that that finish line that obviously you would have recognized six months before as the place you started um how did it feel to, to finally get there again it was it was a very surreal feeling um you know when I when I when I set off on on this I never really imagined the end mm. it was so far away it was such a like a foreign concept and obviously, it was meant to be four months, end up stretching to six months. So it was always this thing of, ah, you know, a bit more to go, a bit more to go, a bit more miles to go. And, and it, was, it was a really struggle, you know. There's this huge, um, huge distance to cover ahead of me. Mm. And then when it finally came round, it was almost like I'd, I'd skipped time. Yeah. You know, I'm there, and it's like, oh, this is, this is coming. And I remember it's a straight road. It's an A1. It just goes straight down to mm. the station uh, where I finished. But I actually had the time on. I had I had my I had my maps Google Maps up on my handlebars <laughs> and was watching it count down. And I was watching it so slowly, slowly <laughs> trickling down. And I was convinced, no, no, not going to make it. Something's going to happen. Like I'm going to get hit by a car like at four oh, minutes no. ago or something. You know, I was nervous. That I wasn't going to get there. No, it's absolutely incredible. You know, enormous amount of kudos to you. And um, how much have you raised? And, and can people still donate and find out more about the challenge? Yeah, so uh, I think we're almost at 35,000, which is wow. amazing. Wow. Um, and the special thing for me is actually the amount of people that donate, have donated. So online, I think it's about 1,600 people, uh, plus all the people that I've met in, in person that have donated. It's probably in the region of 3,000 individuals that have, have donated to the cause, which is very, very special to me. Incredible. Um, if people would if like to donate, have a look. It's justgiving.com slash coast5000. Amazing. We'll put that up on our social media and on the website as well. Josh, an enormous thank you for coming on the show today and congratulations on something that I can't even imagine doing. Uh, you know, an incredible job to you. Well done. Thank you very much. And it's always there for <laughs> giving it a try. <laughs> it's always there. You can do it. Thank you very much, Josh. <laughs>